This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. Hey, More Than Workers. It is almost Valentine's Day out there, so we decided that we're going to do a little bit of a Valentine's Day theme. Now, some of you are, don't hit the, don't hit the button, don't hit the dial, because I know I don't want you to turn away from what we're going to do here today, because we are going to talk about culture, and because our team loves culture. We love helping companies to build culture. Our team is really in love with it. That's what we love. It's culture first, and then our families and then you all out there. That's the order that we love things in. Uh, people are shaking their heads and with at me right now, but it's kind of close. We love to make an impact on the teams that we serve. So many of you have listened to past episodes for us, the fans that we have out there, and you've learned that the way that you really impact culture is not by trying to rally a culture into place. It's by trying to implement systems that set up a culture because a culture is a set of habits, right? Culture is habits and practices that we do. So if you want to change habits, you have to change systems. And what we've done at People Centric is we've set up a framework for those. So what systems drive culture? And the answer is there's five sets of systems that drive culture. We talk about people, we talk about communication, we talk about management, we talk about process, and we talk about strategy. Those are five sets of systems. And guess what? There are five people here on our team right now. So we're going to divide those up and we each picked which system do we love the most which system is our most favorite. And we're gonna dive into why we really love that system and how we can get more and more involved with that. So on our awesome team here is Diana Royalty, who is currently wearing a little crown on her Zoom call because it's fun to play with Zoom like that. Yeah, this, is, this is good. We have, yep. we have Bethany Taff who's suppressing a cough that which in, you know, in February of 2022 makes us all look at her suspiciously. Fortunately, <laughs> we're all separated right now. We're all separated. It's all fine. I'm in we, a small box. But. We, have, we have, we have Mary Ling who we put down in the basement because she's new. That's you get the bunker spot, right? And then we've got Don Strategy Harky who gets to sit at his desk and do all of this just because I'm the boss and that's how it works. That's how we roll. And I'm then a boss. I'm going to put a coin in the Matt Griswold to get us started here and facilitate this session about the systems that we love. Go ahead, Matt. I like it how I like it. Uh, thanks for putting the coin in, Don. I like it how you started with before anybody changes the dial, because we're about mm -hmm. to talk about love. Maybe some of you out there have been uh, looking for love in all the wrong places. And maybe you've already played the song Love Stinks and you are not prepared for this Valentine's Day. But uh, we're going to go a different direction with this. Diana had a great idea for the Valentine's Day podcast. I think it was a mixture of Diana and I, but I loved it whenever Diana uh, had said, let's let's just go around the table, think of all the different reasons that we love Matt and who'd like to start. Now it's a 30 minute podcast, so limit your limit your content. Yeah, and if, Diana, you have something? I have a few words for you, <laughs> sure. Uh, just kidding. That would have been a short podcast. Evidently that one's already over. Let's, let's move to this though. We thought it would be more entertaining. <laughs> we thought it would be more entertaining to make it like in the, the love of the work format, like Don was talking about those five sets of systems. Uh, we have the opportunity to be able to go and speak in front of organizations, you know, throughout the year at different places. And, and we're always going back to those five sets of systems, those five sets of systems that help build an organization's high-performing culture. You start using words like love, you start using words like uh, culture, and people typically start to tune out, right? The emotional 
feeling part, but it's really much more bedrock foundational than that. There are five sets of systems that we are going to talk about today that would, if we're doing these things well, the ripple effect is now you are operating within a, a high performance culture. We all love the, the five sets of systems, but we all kind of gravitate towards one system or another. We have a certain skill set that we feel like helps us in one set of systems or another as well. Like we just have a certain affection for it. So Mary, we're going to start with you, this people system. Again, the overarching of the people system. Do we have the right people in the right roles? What does hiring look like? What does onboarding look like? Role clarity, org design could even potentially play a part in that too. But Mary kind of raised her hand and said, the people system speaks to me. Mary, why is it that you love the people system? Well, two reasons. One, if you put that as my middle name, I'm peopling. Wow. <laughs> so that's pretty cool, right? Because Peopling. what Mary do we like Ling, to do? Mary people. <laughs> so when I, when great. I changed careers and people asked me what I was going to be doing, I said, I'm going to be peopling. It was perfect. That See? is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We should put that on the business card. We yeah. should. <laughs> and you're welcome for making it five. So we could do this podcast today. Yeah. You're well, Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. So people's pretty cool for me. It's been my experience to create clear, defined organizational structures that I heard a comment this morning that if you don't have a clearly defined organizational structure, that it's almost like a limb without having any blood to it. That's mm. pretty cool. Thanks, Don. Gross. And so <laughs> it might've been a little different, but that's how I remember it. Yeah. So it's really important for, for employees to know their reporting structure. And I, they find a lot of value in that whenever they're given clear lines of reporting for a couple of reasons. One, they have somebody to go to and ask questions. Two, they have a mentor in place because we put in a great structure and people love their jobs. So they have a great mentor in place after they come and work with us. And the other thing is having clearly defined roles. So, you know, we go back to the good age of job descriptions and it's just really telling employees what they're responsible to do and giving them that ownership. So I think there's a lot of value in that. I think that's great. And I think what we're talking about, uh, you, you might have surprised people when you're, okay, we're talking about the people system and all of a sudden you're starting to talk about role clarity and role design, you know, and I'll just throw this out to the group. How is it then when, when we have the best way to say this, how do we identify maybe an organization that the people system is lacking, the people system is struggling? What are the things that we might see within an organization where the people system is struggling that would give us a kind of a hint that that might be a place where we want to help them and support them and start doing some work. You know, we talk a lot about getting the right, the people systems get the right people in the right places doing the right things. So on a very basic level, if we don't feel like we have the right people in the right places or the people aren't doing the right things, a lot of times what we do is we blame the people that are involved. Like we don't have the right people. Really, it's not always the right people. A lot of times the people that you have are probably very qualified to do the job that you've hired them for. That's why you hired them in the first place. It might be because there's something in the people system that is not working. I mean, it could be the hiring process, which is one of the people systems that could have been broken. Maybe you are bringing in people that are not qualified for the job. Or, or don't fit your organization very well. Uh, and it could be onboarding, it could be how you set them up for success in the job. But a lot of times what we find is it's the structure side of things. It's the, I'm not clear who I work for. I'm not clear what my job responsibilities are. We had a meeting recently with a client who had a manager who was talking about how they had just been given some new processes to manage. And they, he, they didn't, he just started like getting exposed to the process. Like he was just getting emails to like approve purchase orders without, 
knowing how to approve a purchase order. He didn't even know he was going to be getting that. And he wasn't sure who told him that he was supposed to be starting to do that. So there's a lot of times we can look at an org chart and you can almost predict what kinds of problems are going to be just by looking at the, the org chart. Yeah. You know, when we start working with companies or we, we go and we speak and we hear about people with their, you know, with their organization coming up to us, we typically hear from owners too. They're like, why is it important that the people are happy anyway? They have a job, like they're paid to be here. Or they'll say, you know, something like is, is you know, instead of just being happy, can't they just do the job? Everybody has a job description. Can't they just do their job? And there's a, there's an obvious disconnect there uh, too. So you can answer that question or go a different direction, Bethany, but what were you going to add? I was going to add a couple, another couple of examples though, to this, that just from recent conversations, one, I think to what Don was saying, you know, sometimes it's people who are just saying, you know, I never hear from my boss or I don't feel like they're supporting me or I feel like they're too busy, which could, can kind of go to management, which we'll talk about later. It could be a management issue, but it might be a structure issue as well. Um, it might not be, oh, they're just trying to be a bad manager. It might be, they can't, they can't manage all the people that they have. So we need to have a different conversation. The other thing that I was thinking about too is just an example that we saw was when you're looking at this system, an example came up where they're trying to bring, they're trying to hire for a new position in this, this company that we work with, but talking to people internally before they've even brought this person in, they're saying, well, some of this is going to overlap with my job and some of this is going to overlap with this other person's job. And there's already confusion before the person has even come in there. So that's a red flag immediately that, well, we're going to have an issue. This person is not going to be set up well, even if they are the right person for the job. So we need to go in and make sure that role is super clear so that we get the right person for that job. And then they're set up for that success. So there's lots of different ways that it can, can show up for this system. Yeah. And the, the, the rub there too, you know, especially comes like at the end of your reviews when Bethany, you know, what you're talking about is, well, for these duties, you're going to go over here, you'll answer to them for these duties. You're going to go over here, answer to them. But the at the end of the year, who's actually rating my performance? Who's actually the one that I, that I need to be in conversation with? Who is the one that, that I need to make sure that I'm hitting the standards for them? Is it really two people or do you have one of those dotted line responsibilities or, you know, those, those right there from, from the overarching view might seem like it's efficient for you to, yep, for here, you're over here, for here, you're over here, for an employee that's extremely chaotic and confusing. And so I would encourage you to think about that as well. Anything else that you all would add here to this people system part? All right, let's go to the communication. The next set of systems here is the communication set of systems. Mary, thanks for walking us through the people system there. So the communication system, this is you know, what we always talk about with communication is we want communication to go from top down. And a lot of people are like, yeah, that's right. But then we say, we also want communication to go from bottom to top and side to side. Like communication should be this back and forth uh, kind of kind of thing. And so some of the questions that, that we might have is, have you done a good job of setting the stage for your employees to be able to communicate back upstream um, as well? Uh, what types of communication are you allowing to happen? But this is what this is what I love about the communication uh, set of systems here. I love when communication is proactive and intentional. If you already have a cadence to where communication is proactive and intentional, then man, you are a step ahead of probably lots of other departments within your company, or you're a step ahead of other companies uh, that you're also competing with. You know, through the pandemic, especially for the last uh, two or three years now, communication has become very reactive. And it's not necessarily anybody's fault because the rules kind of changed on a daily basis. You know, we're still having conversations internally where 
We don't know what it's going to look like here. We don't know what's going to look like. There's contingencies and not 100% sure. And so it causes us to be very reactive. I love it when we can work with an organization to help create proactive and intentional communication cadences throughout the company. Diana. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think communication is so important and every client we've ever had has not, no one has ever said like, yeah, our communication's great. Every single client we've ever had is like, we need to work on communication. And it's just such a important part of business and life. And everyone kind of thinks that they do it well, but no Mm -hmm. one's actually doing it well. It's just such a strange concept to me that we have more and more and more ways to communicate, but people feel less and less informed. How often have we worked with companies, Diana, like that? How often have we worked with companies like that where they have so many different communication tools, they have the instant messaging or they have the Slack or they have the Teams or like the management feels like they have done everything that they can do to help you communicate in all of the different possible ways. And all of a sudden now it's just overwhelming. Like now it's gotten too complex. We're we're making it too hard uh, with communication, right? Yeah, and I love it when a manager says things like, I have told them a million times. I have said this a hundred times because they think that they're communicating, but there's some disconnect. So like, where is that? What is happening there? And I love when we get to dive in and, and discover like, oh, you're communicating in a different way than this person likes to be communicated with, or you yeah. said this and everyone heard this, like what's happening. I just think it's really fascinating. I think one of my best practices for the communication system here too, you might be sitting there thinking, listen, if you you have 10 people on the team and you ask them how they want to be communicated with, you're going to get 10 different answers and it's not my job. It's not, I don't have enough hours in the day to communicate with all, can't you just read the blah, blah, blah. And, and I, and I get that to a point. I think where people fail with this is they don't involve other people in that process. We're not asking the question. We're not asking the question. How, do, how would you like me to communicate this with you? Okay, can we find maybe common ground here? This is how I best communicate. This is how you best communicate. I recognize that. How do we meet in the middle? Like that's that's all part. I'm not saying one side necessarily has to completely cater to the other, but the conversation seems to always not be there. And so then there's frustration um, on the other side of that too. It's Don hard to build on. It's hard to build ownership around one-way communication, right? It's hard to build ownership that way. You know, do I need to, you're, you're really, your choice is to make that more effective. Do you speak louder or slower, right? That's the, that's the joke we often make. And that's, it's, it doesn't, isn't effective. I like right. your point of that. It's got to be communicating both ways. And I think the other point, you know, from a systems perspective is it's not just expecting communication to happen. It's creating deliberate places for it to happen. Yeah. which means a deliberate place has a deliberate purpose, which is what you kind of opened up with. That's, that's the systematic approach to it mm-hmm. is, is where would that go? And the people systems too, that we talked about uh, definitely impact the communication systems too. that organizational structure that Mary started off talking about. If that's unclear of who my boss is, communication is also going to suffer. It's just like the blood flow to the limb. You know, it's, if it's not good blood flow, you're going to, it's going to tingle. You're not going to be able to build as much muscle there and all that stuff. If the, if the organizational structure is not clear there, they're not going to have good communication either. Awesome. So that's the communication system. Nice work. Uh, nice work team. Uh, Bethany, let's go to the management system. So we're going to throw this one to Bethany. Bethany does a lot of work in the manager to employee kind of space with us. Managers and Bethany, I don't need to steal your thunder. What, what do you love about the manager set of systems? Yeah. Thanks for asking, Matt. Also, if my name was, you know, if I'm like Don Strategy Harkey or Mary People Ling, I guess I'm Bethany Management Taff. I don't know. Management Taff. 
management task. Management task. <laughs> I like it. It's still good. Just yeah. like yeah. maybe like that would be like my wrestler name if I was a wrestler. Okay. Mm, that's a good one. Anyways, what do I love about management? <laughs> yeah. I so I love about this system is that I love just making sure managers are set up well for their job. So I think, you know, we don't often give managers the toolkit that they need for for what it looks like to be a manager. So it's not it's not just knowing like how to do your employee's job really, really well. It's like so much of being a really good manager is just like relationship building and coaching and how do you support the growth and development of your team and making sure that they have a really good places to communicate and to um, to go after like the opportunities that they see for for their for their department and for the business and all of those things. And when those things are all in place, this creates like really happy employees, which I think is the benefit. So great bosses usually breed really great employees. And so getting to set people up for that is exciting. And I like that. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that thought too. You know, one of the common themes that we talk about uh, when we work with organizations that we we find great employees with the company, we tap them on, on the shoulder because we think they're going to automatically translate into becoming great managers. Mm-hmm. And and here's the truth bomb. I don't know if we have our sound effect yet for the truth bomb of the shattering change. No, I'm sorry. Boom. Boom. Here's the here's the truth bomb. I, I think that organizations globally, probably, but really in our experience, our organizations across the country have ruined a lot of great employees because they didn't support them when they moved to that next step of management or leadership. They didn't teach them what it looks like. And how many times have we had follow up conversations with those people that are like. I mean, I could, I could think of a couple right off the top of my head where they were like, I, I didn't almost ask just to go back to my old position. I almost just walked out and quit. Yeah. They were happy. They were good. They were doing all the things. Management saw it also and, and tapped them on the shoulder. And there's no support to teach you what that looks like. Diana. Yeah. And I was going to add that, like, what's the statistic? 70% of people don't leave their job. They leave their manager. And I think that's so huge. It just shows that there is a huge management disconnect and we're losing good managers and good people all because of this, like one aspect of culture. Yeah. We, we talk about engaged and disengaged and toxic employees. And we, we, we have a, a screenshot that we share and it's like 70% of disengagement from the employees comes from the management or the leadership that they're reporting to 70%. And sometimes managers take offense to that slide. But the reason why we show that slide is not because we're demanding that you do better managers. What we are saying is you have a tremendous amount of influence as, as a leader of people. If you are in a position to where you are managing a team of people, even if you don't have the title of manager, if you're leading a project, you have a tremendous amount of influence over that team that you are leading. So the goal is to lead them to lead them well. Organizationally, the goal is to how do I help this person lead that team well, right? There's got to be somebody that's accounting for that. Like, how do I help build this person up to a point so they then can lead that team well, instead of taking it for granted that they just have this natural skill set. Uh, some of us have been doing this for a long time. Some of the people on the podcast listening have been doing this manager manager thing for a long time. Think about when you were first promoted or when you first got your opportunity and all of those things that you wish you had known might be a good place to start with leadership development for your own people too. What other thoughts here around the management? How do we know it's working well? Maybe how do we identify if it's broken? Any other thoughts you would add, Don? I think one of the biggest challenges of the management idea is that there's an old school philosophy. There's a traditional school of how to manage. 
And I think it's very wrong. And I think it starts with the fundamental idea that a manager is supposed to be a leader of a group of followers. And I think that what we try to teach managers is that to think of that differently is that you, a manager is really a leader of another group of leaders. Uh, and that the, those leaders, that's, that's the different approach. It's not just do what I say because I told you to do it. It's more of a, how can I put the roles and responsibilities and things out there and be really clear and give you the resources and then help you along the way. Uh, and then make sure you're taking ownership of that. If you're not taking ownership, then it shifts over to the accountability side of management, which I think managers a lot of times fall back on too quickly or not quickly enough, make one of, one of the other mistakes to the extreme. So I think that we're learning better how to manage people. And I think that's, that's the challenge, uh, I'm sure, for a lot of folks out there. Yeah. Mary? One of the things that I really like with the management and really the systems, you know, as we go through these is the fact that they all really rely on each other. You know, once we have those people clearly defined in those management roles and in those reporting roles, you know, they, they can all flourish. And that's what, you know, I think Bethany said, you know, it just breeds that culture of fun and enjoyment and it makes people want to go back to work the next day and, and they go home happy. You know, it's just, it's powerful when you get these systems in place. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Bethany. Yeah, you can't, you almost can't talk about any of these things without talking about, you know, the one of the other sets of systems so yeah we think we think about that and and whenever i'm talking you know whether whether it's with a company that calls us or they th- they they say hey i've heard some good things about you i'm thinking about working with you tell me exactly what it is that you do again like this is the conversation that we have this is the conversation that we have with organizations that maybe want to work with us or want us to work with their group or their teams but they have a kind of a kind of an idea of what it is that we do this is what we do. We walk through these five sets of systems and hopefully maybe you've been thinking about your own company, your own business, your own department, your own team as you're listening to this. And we're talking about, you know, Mary did a good job of kicking us off with the people. We talked about communication. Bethany led us with the manager topic. Hopefully you're kind of giving yourself maybe a grade or like a pulse check for each one of those saying maybe a thumbs up, thumbs down, like oh, people systems probably okay. Communication is awful. Management system, I don't know, middle of the road. And you're kind of giving yourself a little grade there to see uh, what hurts and what doesn't. Sometimes people have really good, maybe they, maybe they might have a great people system already in place. Hiring's locked down, onboarding's locked down. Like we find good people. Um, we have examples of that too, but you know what? If the communication suffers, it's broken. You might have good people, communication manager, but poor processes that they're operating in, it's broken. Everything might be great, and you have no strategy of where you're going, or there's no vision that you're able to share with everybody, it's broken. Um, those, those are the pulse check moments. And that's the story that we walk through. And hopefully, you know, if you needed to restart the podcast now and think about it in that context, but think about, think about your own business, your own department, your own company, your own accountability and those things with each of these systems and see maybe what is broken or not and what you could influence to be able to tweak. So let's go to the next a set of systems here. Diana, I'm going to throw it to you. We're going to talk about process sets of systems here. Talk to us about process. Diana, what do you love about it? Well, I will say that I think process is like the least inspiring system. You guys have all the good ones, right? Like the people, the management, the the communication, the strategy. You chose this one. You chose I know. It, I did <laughs> choose it because one. I do love it. And I do think it ties to what you guys were saying. Like, process touches all of these things and without good process, there's lack of clarity, there's silos, you know, like you need a good process to say, this is how we work the most effectively. 
I think a good process engages everyone who's touching it. It's not just something that is written and then goes, you know, goes to everybody and is like, here, this is how you do your job. And we're going to do it this way for 20 years and never look at this thing again. I think it's, I think it's definitely necessary and it's a boring necessary, but I do love a good process. I think this is the most confusing one. Also, when we begin to work with organizations, I think this is the most, when we say, talk about your processes, what do you need help with? And yeah. it's always like a deer in the headlights. Like, I don't understand this word. What that is this? Used. What does this what mean? What is process? You're talking you give me an example. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe it is kind of a generic, you know, kind of a term, but basically what I'm talking about, and you all can feel free to add to the definition, but, but one of the main things I'm talking about are the things that you're operating by on a daily basis. The things that you do, the, 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 the ways that you do, the things that you're responsible to do, uh, what does that look like? What part of your day or what part of your job maybe is the most frustrating for you? And there might be an answer to that's probably a process that we could potentially help become a little bit more effective or efficient if it's frustrating. I will say this too. Here's, the, here's kind of a trap as you're thinking about this. Sometimes we only look at our team and our direct responsibilities, right? And sometimes you guys might be real tight. And this is true for all of them, like especially for the communication. Totally good communicating with my team. It's what I have to communicate with that other department. You know, same thing for process. Like as a team, we are good. It's whenever the other department, you know, insert other department name here, they, they have to get involve involved. Them. Yeah, yeah. They now get involved. it gets messy because they always do it wrong or they don't do it the way that we do it or that's when it gets done. And so what we find with process is that a lot of times it's good here but how do we create a process that bridges the gap from department to department? That's that's maybe where the, the real question is. Diana? Yeah, I was going to say as, as the chief operating officer, it's part of the reason I love process is because it helps people operate better. And I think earlier I said it breaks down silos. And I mean that. I think a good process mm-hmm. involves lots of different departments so that it really does flow really well. And if you have processes that flow well through your company and clients get through really easily and people understand what their role is in the process and how it works with others. Your life is just easier. Like work just goes better when you don't constantly have this, like, oh my gosh, I have to fight this person now, or I hate that team because they always do this to me. And it just, it's so much nicer and pleasant when you've got well thought out things that flow really easily. Yeah. Done. I like I like that point because you're I think a lot of people when they first hear that, like, how does that impact culture? And you just outline that like it impacts culture because people work better together when things go better together. But also when things aren't going so well and the team comes together to make it go better, that is a great cultural shot in the arm. Like that is nothing brings a team better together. Nothing brings a team together better than improving a process together. Yeah. And if they built it, now they have ownership. Now they have accountability with it. Here's the other part too, just a side note, and I'll throw it to strategy. But the other part of that is they might come together at, to build to be a stronger team as they are building it. But then you will find that you as the manager, if they built it, you don't have to manage that process nearly as closely because they will police themselves. They will manage themselves with that. If they built it, they will own it. And then they'll hold accountability with the rest of their team or their peers with that too. So... Let's, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Diana. I was going to say, it makes sense for the people doing the work to build the process. I hate it when managers are like, let me build this thing and give it to you and tell you how you should do this. Cause that's not, that's not effective or efficient. 
we've run into many times where we've gone in and people will show us a process and we're like, why do you do it this way? And they're like, well, we've always done it that way. We don't know what this part is for, but we turn it into this manager and then they do something with it. And then we go to the manager and we're like, what do you do with this? And they're like, I don't know. I just put in this file cabinet. I don't know. I don't know. Those Do you need to do that anymore? Like probably not like what's happening. So I love examining that stuff. Yeah, that's great. And there's, you know, you said it, it was the boring one is what you said, but man, there's so much more that we could talk about with that topic as well. But for the purpose of this podcast, we will move it along to the next thing that we love about our fifth system. This is the strategy system. And this one is going to go to the Don strategy Harkey. Don, what do you love? About oh, the that's strategy. So sweet. I mean, you know what? It's funny. Strategic planning, when people think about strategy, strategic planning, they think about these really big plans that they created at some retreat in the past where you created this really big, thick thing that got put on the shelf and then everybody went back to work and then forgot to go back to it. And so that was really exciting. We were really anticipating some great things from it, but nothing ever happened from it. That is a failed strategic plan. There's better ways to do strategic planning. I do enjoy the act of strategic planning, but what really makes an impact on the organization is the idea of a strategy, knowing what direction you're going, knowing why you do what you do, knowing what winning really is. That fundamentally motivates people. There's too many companies, and I'd I'd say most companies, I'll, I'll, I'll throw that out there. I'll throw that gauntlet out there. Boom. It's been thrown. Most companies... I think the employees don't really know why they do what they do on a basic level. Uh, what, are, what are we really impacting? Like, well, we're here to make money, but why do we make money? What is the money? What happens with the money? I don't even know. How do I impact the profit at the end of the day? That's why we talk about systems like great game of businesses to try to understand that. Or why, well, we're here to serve our customers. Well, why do you serve your customers? How does that impact the customers? What is, how does what you do impact that on a day-to-day basis? A really good strategy system isn't just the planning process. Planning's part of that, but it's really helping to build what the great game calls a line of sight between every employee and how they impact the company and then how the company impacts them back. That fundamentally helps people work better. I'll share a really quick story. When I was at 3M, we had a product that we were trying to improve the quality on. And one of the first things that we learned in this product was that the people who made the product didn't even know what the product was. Uh, It had a code that was internal for it. It was like PM 3952 or something like that. And nobody knew what the product, how the product was used. The engineer who led that project started off by doing a product demonstration and showed everybody, this is what we're making. This is how it's used out in public. And it turned out that people had encountered that product in public before, including people that had made it for as long as 10, 15 years and never knew that that's what they made. And when they saw what they made at the end of the day and they saw what the, how it was used out in public, they got a lot more excited about it. And a couple of people even got emotional about it. And what happened then was the product quality before we did anything else got a lot better a lot better because people suddenly knew why they were doing what they were doing. It's a fundamental need for us humans to know why we do what we do. And that's what the strategy systems give you. I think if you're a business owner or a department head or something, if you're involved maybe uh, in strategic planning and and it feels like you're banging your head against the wall to get people to move, or maybe you're trying to convince a board to do something or vote for something or, you know, something like that. If you're banging your head against the wall at the lack of action from other people, and it feels like you're taking it personally because you're not allowing them to complete the things that you were hired to complete, I would encourage you to ask maybe a question. Have you shared that strategy with the other people that you're also asking to, you know, help approve this or complete this. 
because a lot of times they haven't shared, they haven't shared that strategy. They have it in their mind. They're passionate about it. They wake up in the morning thinking about it. They go to bed at night thinking about it, but they haven't shared it with anybody else who is not as excited as you are because they are not in the loop on what it is that we're trying to do. And then number two, am I able to verbalize why it is I'm asking to do this and how it matches and links up directly with what we said was important during strategic planning? Can I tie it can I tie it directly to an objective? And Don, I've seen you do that with organizations more than once. And I think it's masterfully done of being able to, you know, call out to say, guys, this is why they're not bought into it. This is why they're confused. This is why they're voting no. This is why they're frustrated because you have yet to tie tie the reason that you're wanting to quote unquote spend all this money or build that building or or add a new line of service or change the department altogether you have yet to tie that back to an objective that everybody said was really important during strategic planning they don't have that vision that you have in your mind and i think that's i think that's a critical thing too i I think one of the best examples of that is just profit like most people would say like employees want us to make a profit too and if you went to your employees tomorrow you could say hey do you how many of you think it's important that we make a profit they'll raise their hand and say yeah i think it's important for us to make a profit that's not line of sight. That's not what we're talking about. Because here's the thing. Here's what we also know is that most of those employees also don't really know what profit is. Statistically, most of you listening to this call don't truly understand what profit is or where it goes or how it's used. Uh, We know that from financial literacy that shows that even managers and top executives don't have a real basic understanding of that. So we kind of assume that everybody understands those things. And then we assume that we're going to feel connected to that. Employees don't really care about profit unless you make a case for why they should care and understand how they should care. That's true for other objectives too, Matt, as you pointed out, if you're, if your objective is to, you know, one of our, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, when we talk about key objectives, we always want them to support, you know, your mission and values. One of our values is impact. Um, we have to share stories constantly with each other to say like, did, are we making the impact that we want to make? And just look at this, we did this, this, and this, and it made that impact. And that helps all of us to feel what we're doing with the topic of today is that why we love culture. The reason that we love culture is because we can see what we're doing and how it impacts the company at the end of the day, uh, our clients at the end of the day. So they, it, it's easy to not feel that. It's easy to go through the motions. Um, I sat next to a consultant on an airplane one time, and they were telling me about how they were a business consultant and how they traveled around the, the U.S. working with all these companies and everything else. And I said, that sounds amazing. And but never asked me what I did, which I always thought was kind of funny. And, but he said, I, I, and I said, it sounds amazing. And he goes, no, 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 I hate my job. I hate my job because I just go to all these different places. I'm constantly on the road and I walk in there and I tell all these people what they should be doing differently and they just don't listen to me. It's just that person, first of all, that consultant is missing their connection to why they're doing what they're doing. They're not seeing the end of result of why they're doing what they're doing. And second of all, they probably have a bad approach to it. Um, it sounded like from that call. And you know, the fact that they never even asked me what I did shows you a little bit. That's a, that's a faulty consultant just in that by itself. But yeah, we have to connect. You always have to connect the dots constantly. Let me, let me add the self-serving part here too, real quick, uh, just to fill in the gaps. If you're wondering what it's like to work with us as well, we're not your typical consultant that goes in and maybe has everybody take a bunch of surveys. We might have them take a survey, but we don't then give you a deliverable to say, here's all the things you need to fix. Peace out. Like we're, we're out. Our job is done. We become a part of your team. Like we help you drive that change customized to the things that are important to you as an organization or the objectives that, that we helped you set maybe through strategic, uh, strategic planning. 
And we become a part of part of that organization, driving the change from the inside out with you. So we walk along that with you. So if you're going, but how do I do this? But how do I do that? Those are the types of things that we kind of get our hands dirty and work with you on um, as we go to Bethany. Yeah, we were talking about strategy in the office the other day and just the importance of it and how it's impact, you know, just the impact it has on people. And, you know, there you're talking a little bit about the difference too, between like transparency and then like sharing the strategy of the organization going forward. And so, you know, it's different. We kind of use this, this like analogy. I don't know if that's right. I always get those confused. This sort of analogy, this picture of, you know, as the employee, you can, you might be sitting in the back seat and you can see out the front, the front window, right out the windshield and your leader's driving and you're, you know, it's great. You can see what's, you can see what's in front of, you can see what's going on, right? You can see where you are in that moment. But at some point you're going to say, where are we going? When are we going to get there? How, you know, how, how long is it going to take? You know, you're going to start to ask these questions and it's really important to not just say, you know, this is where we are right now and this is how we're doing right now, but it's so important to make sure you're giving that that second level of information to your employees and helping them right along with it. And so that was just yeah. another thing we were talking about with strategy. I think that's great. And if, you, if you're somebody that's listening going, no, my employees don't care that much. No, 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 they would. Once you start asking them for things that we can do differently, what are some projects that we can do to, to help us be better? Uh, it does not take them very long to say, well, what, what does better mean? Where, where ultimately are, are we trying to go? Like, I'm happy to think of those things with you, employee to boss, but I'm not 100% sure where we're going. Like, am I, you know, the thing I always pose to people with the strategy, like, are you, are you grinding until the end of the day today? And then you're going to get up in the morning, you're going to grind until the end of the day tomorrow. But do you have any idea if you're a step closer to achieving the things that organizationally we're trying to achieve? Or are you going left and they're trying to go right, but you feel busy, you feel like you're doing all the things, but we're not moving in the direction that that we're trying that everybody is trying to go uh, go towards. So I think a that's a big miss. I think that's a great point, Matt. We have a client that's working through several challenges right now. They were uh, transitioning several different systems and things like that, and they're getting super super busy. And you know, the, they're feeling the stress the staff is feeling from that. And we just had a meeting with the management team, and we reminded them that it's in those moments that it's the hardest to lean into why you're doing what you're doing. It's the hardest to take those moments to check in with everybody and see, how are you doing? Remember why we're doing this. This is going to help us in the future. Let's get through this because it's all, in, in, it's all chaos, right? The managers are all focused on the process itself. But those are the moments when it's most important is to keep pointing to that why. It's when you don't have time to do it. It might be when it's the most important to do it. Yeah. So you have to make time to do it. I love it. I love it. That's the uh, love podcast. I think I should take this opportunity to say I love I love all of you, team. I love uh, getting up to be able to do what it is that we do on a daily basis. I love working with our clients. I love you more than workers. I love all of it. Does anybody else want to? No, we I just I echo all that you said. That's great. So if you'd like to uh, feed us other topics of conversation, we are happy to entertain those. Or if you just want to, sometimes people do this, they'll send us an email offline and say, yeah, but what about this? You know, if you just wanted to maybe pose a question for us, we're happy to, to be able to answer that offline. Or we can, you know, if, it, if it's something that seems like a theme that people want to hear about, then we're happy to bring that to the, to the podcast stage too. Uh, Diana, how do they get a hold of us? Email us at morethanwork at peopleccg.com. And we can keep you anonymous too. So don't worry about that. I did have someone ask me about that. Like if I email you, then you know who I am and maybe I don't want that 
podcasted and I was like, oh, well, obviously we're very good at confidentiality and we would keep that quiet. You just have to tell me. So, yeah. yeah. That's great. Uh, Feel free to interact with us on social media too at People Centric uh, Consulting Group. We're on all the major platforms of of, uh, social media. No TikTok though, right? No TikTok? Not yet. Not Uh, yet. We're working on it. Uh, Yeah, I bet that's coming soon. Matt and I are going to... Yeah. blow up TikTok guys. <laughs> so feel free to interact with us. We love talking to uh, all of you. And if you want to uh, have a question or pose a topic, feel free to let us know. Hey, have a great day and rest of your week. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time. And in the meantime, lead well.